one of the rules that I throw out are what I would call these toxic rules, right? Mm-hmm. A toxic rule being a rule that takes away from who I am and takes away from who you are. It's a rule that doesn't enhance our connection, but diminishes it. Right. So any rule that's toxic like that are what I would call those unenforceable rules that really damage any relationship, right? Erode the relationship. It starts right here, deep in your heart. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most. It starts right here. Welcome back to, uh, hopefully back, if, you, if you've been listening to us before, and if not, welcome for the first time to Start Right Here podcast with uh, me. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is Dr. Alan Berger, my partner in crime. Alan, how are you doing? I'm, doing? I'm doing better this week. I'm starting, my recovery is starting to, to feel more complete at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And I want to welcome everyone back. We're, I'm, I was hoping that nobody took what we did last week personally. That's right. Well, and when you say your recovery is doing better for somebody who hasn't been listening, I want to say that he, he's actually been sober the whole time. He's talking about, he's talking, oh. <laughs> Alan's been diagnosed with tested positive for COVID a while back. And, and he's, 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 he's been battling not being able to taste things for one thing. <laughs> so. now, now, you know, what's interesting. I do feel now like I need to wear a scarlet letter C. <laughs> I guess because I'm, it, it's like, I tell you, it's the weirdest feeling when I go out and around people. Mm -hmm. It's strange. It's like, you need to know I had COVID (laughs) or whatever you need to do. It's like, Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not, you know, the CDC tells me based on guidelines, I've exceeded those that I'm no longer Mm -hmm. infectious, but I mean, it's weird. I feel that. No, that's no. I, well, I've I've talked to people that that basically have had it, and they, they say it feels like a, a like if you're in some sort of game we used to play when we were kids of tag or something like that. And it's like once once you're out of the game, it's like you you know you just kind of aren't you know so I'm out. I'm you know nothing applies to me anymore. And they said they got to remember that that no, they're not out of the game just because they've already had it. They still have to participate. <laughs> that's right. That's the truth, right? You're not out of it. I I mean, you, no. you may have a little period of, you know, where you're immune because of your antibodies, but mm-hmm. they don't even know how long that lasts. Could be 60 right. days, could be 90. There's right. been, there's been a few people who have been infected, you know, so it's, I'm still wearing my mask. We had some friends that, 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 she, and her, that she and her husband both had, had it. And, and when they, when they got the all clear, they, they, uh, there's just, there's just much more social than I am. And they, they said, well, y'all come on over now. We're really safe. You know, I go like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Those antibodies are not making me feel a lot better. It's like, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're healthier, but I'm going to stay. So 
So if it works for you, Alan, I want I want to I want to take off the, today and just kind of pick up a couple of things that we left off last time. No, I, I listen. I think it's such an important topic about not taking things personally, and and I think that yeah, let's do it. I think that you have some more to say, and I may have more to say. <laughs> really, you may have more to say. I may not. I don't know <laughs> right now. It, I may or may not. I want to reserve the right to not say anything else about it, but, but I might have a few things. I will. I'll let I, Patrick say a few things. Uh, toward the last, Patrick, I think indicated last time that maybe the the COVID had kind of kind of inspired you a little bit. You you, you had a lot of extra energy, but no, there was just a couple of things that that. Um, you know, I, I admit, I acknowledge that I am the king of disclaimer. Like I, like I said it last time, it's like if I, editors uh, have worked with me before said, you cannot put at the beginning of every paragraph of your book, this, this paragraph may not apply to you. It's like, it's like, so it's, it's a very, <laughs> it's I, like somebody's going to not, not want to read the book. Yet. Well, I, yeah, if it, yeah. That's, you know, that, 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 that's like a friend of mine told me one time when I was, I was complaining about book sales, not being what I wanted. He said, he said, do you realize in every book you write that you tell everybody how hard this stuff is? He said, maybe you should not emphasize how hard it is. <laughs> Start you know, one easy step to banish fear from your life forever is my next book. You know, is how to how to how to how to lose 100 pounds by eating three dozen donuts a day. I, I think that you may have you may have touched on something that I felt. One of the reasons that it took me so long to start writing mm-hmm. was I could see things from so many different perspectives. Yes. yes. And and I always had a rough time saying this is the way it is, right? Yeah. And and I also have that disclaimer. I said, yeah. listen, what I say is what I say. You've got to decide if it fits for you. This is just my thinking about it at this point in time. And I reserve the right to change my mind in future writings and say that right. everything I've just said in this writing is wrong. Right. right. <laughs> I, oh, absolutely. Well, I actually even tell people that I'm talking in all settings, but tell my clients that I said, you know, some people process things in, inwardly and uh my wife is that way she's yeah. she's she's yeah, she, she is more, like that from what you yeah said. i'm yeah i'm i am i the speakers are on outside yeah. for me it's, it's like it's like if you want to know what i'm thinking just stand near me and it's like you're going to hear what i'm thinking and so what i tell my clients is so i'm you know i'm thinking as i'm talking so the idea is it's not unusual for me to say something we've done it here a zillion times it's like you know where where i'll come back around and go like oh you know what i said a minute ago (laughs) no i don't believe that anymore you know i've changed my mind or you said something that made me think of this or i just remembered this and and i and i love to to do that and i and i'd like you know i do know i need to not be disclaiming everything all the time but i but i do want to be sure that and I think we, you and I have this in common too, is that I want to be sure that do people do get that one of the most important things we can teach is that is that basically one size doesn't fit all. We don't sell this stuff off the rack. This is, this is all needs to be tailored to you. And you know, the, the program even has the words for that. And, and it's in one of its wonderful cliches of take what's helpful, leave what's not. And it's like, now, when we get when we get to that though, however, one of the things if you're going to really be working with somebody, whether you be working with them inside the twelve step program or in therapy, is is you know very often, and you and I both have experienced this in our lives, we will initially say, well, that doesn't apply to me, you know, and but what we, what we do is we and this is this kind of is a good segue into what I wanted to say as a follow up to last time, is when we talk about 
no, un, you know, saying no to unenforceable rules. You know, I, I wanted, I wanted to cover sort of the other right. end of that continuum for people that basically, and I, cause I'm considered this one of the things is like, like, yeah, I don't want to be dealing. I, you know, I had to learn how to say no to all those, uh, those erroneous unenforceable rules or what I call the policy manual for my family, you know, it, it include things like don't dare hurt anybody's feelings under any circumstance. Uh, you know, oh, by the way, you can read somebody's mind. So if you see a, fa a disappointed face on them, you can go ahead and assume that, you know, I, I needed to be able to just just break the hell out of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but there was also a lot of rules that as uh, as a, a as before as an alcoholic and then as a and as a later a recovering alcoholic and a recovering asshole a lot of rules i had to learn yeah. it's like so that i so it depends on where that's i guess that's the main thing i wanted to say it depends on where you are on the on the continuum it's or there's so many continuums but but i've worked with people before who basically have been have been victims and and i don't mean victims in the most negative way but they 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 didn't know that was there but they have been just beat down by these rules all their lives they just i've got to be the best person ever i've got to, you know it's like no matter what i have to do this i've worked with some, some of those people i would i would i would celebrate them breaking any rule if they told me they robbed a bank i'd have a hard time not not celebrating <laughs> you know thinking well way to go because because they need to break the rules but I know for me, one of the things I got in couples, couples therapy more than anything else were some wonderful therapists, a couple of them in particular that, that, uh, uh, and women out there would appreciate the fact they were women that, that basically were able to very honestly get in my face and just go like, no, that's not the way you do that. You know, that's not, that's not the way you treat another person. And, you know, when I, you know, and usually she was, I'm thinking of one particular therapist, she was usually confronting me uh, with one of the things <laughs> that I would have classified as me just trying to be helpful. <laughs> I was trying to be helpful. Well, it turned out, you know, I, as to use your term, you use a lot. I was, I was a fucking control freak, you know, and it's like, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was, I thought I was trying to be helpful. It's like, and I was pick, 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 pick. Dee Dee would say in therapy, she would say, you know, well, I feel beat up and I go like, well, I'm trying to be helpful. You know, it's like, you know, and, and Mary Elizabeth, our therapist would say, well, you're not helpful, Tom. And, you know, but I go like, but you know, and as, and I, th I think men have this more than women. I may be wrong about that, but, but we like intention to count for a lot but I don't mean to hurt your feelings, you know? And what I learned from that was that's good because if, if you, if you meant to hurt my feelings, that would be an entirely different problem, but the, it's, I'm glad that, but the other thing is you also need to learn. To, I was learning, I was learning empathy. I was, I was learning that if I want to know how somebody else is feeling about something I'm doing, I needed to learn to listen to those people. So in that way, when you're talking about if, if say for instance in the days where if Dee Dee was saying something that was that was hurtful to me, there were it was it was more complex than just not taking it personally. It was because I really needed to listen to the content. I really needed to understand what she was saying because there were changes. So what and what and I've spent this I'll show you what I've done all week. I, I've spent the week trying to trying to kind of nutshell this. And I, what I realized what I wanted to say was 
when you don't think take things personally, it doesn't mean you it, that doesn't mean you don't care what anybody says. That's right. And that's the part that I got as a distinction with my little conversation with my version of you in my head over the week was was it was I was saying to my version of Alan, well, yeah, but you're, are you saying you don't you just don't care what anybody thinks? And you and your answer, by the way, by my version of you, which I think is pretty accurate, it, uh, is no, that's not what I mean. And I'll check it with you today. But it's like, like, that's what I think I was reacting to was, was the idea that it was just like, I'm just, I'm just not going to care what people say to me or about me. But in fact, it's not that it's that, I, that whatever's happening, I need to understand that how they're doing that is coming from them and what they're dealing with and what, but that does not relieve me of the responsibility of taking what they're saying. If there's somebody that's important to me in my, in a relationship and, and, and understanding there's going to be information in there for me to work with. Does that make some sense? A lot of sense. Yes. Okay. Good. No, no. To, to elaborate on that even more. I mean, it's, it's such an important point because when I say, you know, like you pointed out, it doesn't mean I don't care. What it means is I'm not, I'm trying to not let what somebody else is saying be more important than what I think. Yes. 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 Same time. See, that's the, that I'm trying to keep them at the same level. I'm, I'm holding my hands up like they're equal across. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. make that person, what they're saying less important than me and saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that I can see by what they're saying, they're saying more about themselves than about me. And that helps well, but we, navigate right. the relationship a lot better. Right. Well, and even, even more than the equality, ultimately we, I was writing about that earlier today with some stuff that, uh, that I'm putting to paper and it's, um, it's, it's one of my little nutshells I was, I was uh, bringing back up, which was, I, I respect your opinion. I trust my judgment. Yes. So the idea, so the idea is respecting somebody else's opinion does not mean agreement. What it means is I, you know, I, I can respect that that's your perspective, but what you're talking about and, and what we're talking about right now is the idea that, that if I'm in a relationship with somebody by choice that I want to be in a relationship, you know, there's a lot of different stuff. If you, if we're talking about hearsay or what other people are, saying about me and all that stuff that I can discount. But what I want to be able to do is even if I'm going to decide that's not the case, and there are times like that. I mean, there are times even today that I would say that if my wife were to tell you something that she thinks about me, then I would go like, well, that, that actually doesn't, that's not really the way it is for me. It's like, you know, that's, that's still there. It's like, but in the old days, it would be, I would feel like I would need to get her to change her mind about me because right. I was and this. I think it's what you're saying is because I was using her definition of me yes. or her perception of me as, as if, as if it overrode right. mine. Right. And I, I'm, I get the final say and I need to be, I need, and I guess the piece I'm wanting to be sure I'm, we're emphasizing is, and I want to be very, I want to have a lot of integrity about how I'm doing that. So, which includes if people have things to say to me that are hard for me to hear, I'll still listen to them. And it's like, and I'm not going to, and I won't discount them out of hand uh, do that. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to give my power away to that person. Okay. And, and see, in keeping that in, in, see, this is very important discussion. What you what you're bringing up now, it just triggers so many thoughts. But let me go with this last thing you just said. So let's mm -hmm. say somebody is saying something to me that's hard, and I don't trust their motive in it. So I might okay. say to them something like, "Look, 
you know, I'd like to be able to consider what you're saying. And right now I'm hung up because I think you're just mad at me and want to hurt me. <laughs> I need to just say that before I can. Right. So I, I'm still honoring my integrity by doing that. You see, I'm honoring myself in the relationship and creating some space for a, a dialogue about it. I can say you're also to do to do that. You're also you're also being respectful of the relationship because you're being honest. Yes, and, and I'm honesty. giving them a chance to clarify. I could be wrong about that. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm open to being that. That maybe it's my issue that you know I am taking it personally, or I don't trust people saying yeah. things like yeah. that because yeah. of some rule in my head about it. But mm-hmm. but I think by by staying that that straight and clear with someone. That there's a chance to to talk through these things in a healthy way that are productive for the relationship, that help the relationship take another step forward or make another deposit in the relationship's emotional bank account or whatever it is, is by how we deal with these things. And that's what you're saying. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up here is because I think we need to also get into this. See, the rule, so, so one of the rules that I throw out are what I would call these toxic rules, right? Mm-hmm. A toxic rule being a rule that takes away from who I am and takes away from who you are. It's a rule that doesn't enhance our connection, but diminishes it. Right. So any rule that's toxic like that are what I would call those unenforceable rules that really damage any relationship, right? Erode the relationship. Now, there's also unnecessary whole, rules. Yeah, uh, right yeah. now. There's a whole yeah. other set of rules out there. Things like, I want to honor my integrity. That's a good rule for me. Mm-hmm. And the way Dr. Kempler said it to me, Al, you can have whatever rules you want for you, as long as you're paying attention to whether they're of value to you and help you live the life you want to live. Mm-hmm. Your problem comes in when you lay those on somebody else and expect them to follow. He says, so just make that distinction. We're not talking about that all rules in an absolute sense are terrible. Right. Um, one of the one of the authors that I like a lot, um, Dr. Harriet Lerner, um, she wrote Dance of Anger, Dance of Intimacy, and several other books. The Dance of, of well, there was a third one, I forgot what it was. But she also came out with a rule about the Book of Rules for Marriages, mm-hmm. and she's got a hundred and one rules in it. A lot of fucking rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, but but what she did in the beginning was she said, look, what I'm trying to do here is to throw out some ideas about rules that would help a relationship function better. So things yeah. like it's always a good idea to respect differences, things like that. Yeah. And yeah. they're real. And, you know, I think what we could do next show, one, we're going to have some guests the next couple of weeks. But as soon as we don't have a guest. Let's have a whole show about healthy rules. Okay, but also if, if one of those guests just bores us, we can just start into that then. I shouldn't have said. See, I shouldn't have said that out loud. I, I'm telling the you, right thought. I mean, it's what I thought as well. By the way, but now we set up a scene. No, we. And, we, and by the way, we, we have some very good guests coming. They're not. They're not going to be boring. They're not so. Boring at all. But, no, I like that. But I do think. Look, because we've given 
a lot of emphasis on the negative now, side of this. By the way, I, I wrote a book on this. Oh, it's called What Love Is. And that is a great book, by the way. Thank you. I, I, I would endorse that, you know, with five stars to anybody. I've, it's, I've spent much time with that on the John and enjoyed yeah. it a lot. <laughs> it, it is written for that. It's like, you know, I write, I write books. People call them gift books. People call them coffee table books. Like, you know, go like, let's just be honest. They're made. And, and it's like you read, but they're, I always, I tell, I tell women a lot of times, and this is, this is me abandoning our gender for a moment, but it's like, I'm going like, if you have a husband who doesn't read and definitely is not going to read self-help books, buy one of these books and put it in the bathroom. Yeah. Big They'll read it in, in the short yeah, entries, yeah, but, I, but, I mean, but it, and it's not specifically rules, but it is, it is an exploration. Well, it's just talking what, about what, it's what works exploring what is love and what is it about? Yeah. And it's well, and what, it's what you said about Harriet Lerner too, is the idea of, of what is we're also, what we're really looking for so much in all this work that we do is what works. Yes. What helps? Yes. I mean, it is the most, the, the longer I've done this, and I bet you would agree with this as well. The longer I've done this, the more grounded and practical I have become about how to individualize this stuff to people's exactly. work. And they, I go like, is, you know, and I'll, the question will come up is, is you know, is it is what I'll, I'll, I'll stop and ask frequently. It's like, is what we're doing helping to you? And if, and if they say yes, I go, I go, okay, well, tell me a little bit about how it's helping. You know, and sometimes sometimes we don't know right away how it's helping, but it's like it's really good because we not only learn from how we do things wrong, we learn from how we do things right. So if some if we're doing something different, if we're, if you're being helped by therapy, it means it doesn't. It may mean you have a brilliant therapist like us, but it but it also means it has to mean that you are taking this and putting it into play in your life. It, it's so interesting. I was doing a workshop just beforehand, and this one person is. One so I, I presented for about 35 40 minutes, and then this other person came on, and and this person writes to me privately, says, My God, she goes, Um, this is so boring, I'm not getting anything out of what he's saying, and can't you just stop the discussion and stuff like this? And mm -hmm. she says, Um, it's not helpful, I need tips on what would be helpful for me, and all this. And I'm smiling to myself, mm -hmm. and I wrote back and I say, You know, it sounds like this is some stuff that you should. You, you could work out best with somebody in a therapy session or something or other than mm -hmm. this kind of format really mm -hmm. doesn't lend itself to that mm -hmm. kind of intensive work with someone. Mm -hmm. And she writes back, well, I've done this and I've, I've got uh, a PhD from UCLA and I've got two masters. And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I missed it in, because initially what she did showed me what's wrong. Instead of she made this guy responsible for what she was getting out of it. And instead mm -hmm. of being able to use whatever he was saying in whatever way, because I listened to him too, sometimes mm -hmm. he meandered, there was some real jewels in what he said mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But what you got was the spirit behind it. This yes. guy really cared. He was really trying to, to, to share parts of his recovery. And when you listen to that, that's what moved me, not necessarily the mm -hmm. content of what he was saying, but his spirit behind this whole thing. It was right. But I can see it was right there for her, right? Oh, her rules right. were, you got to feed me. You got to make me not bored. Everybody else is responsible for how I feel. And when it's not happening, uh, I'm going to complain about it. Oh, I mean, Alan, I, I tell you what, it's, that, that you, you've set me up perfectly to tell my, I have several stories I like to tell about my first sponsor in AA, but this is my favorite. And I, it was after I'd gone to a few meetings and I came out and I, with, with thoroughly offended, I said, 
those guys are full of bullshit, man. And he just started laughing. He just laughed and laughed. he said, it's a room full of alcoholics, Rutledge. <laughs> he said, of course, they're full of it bullshit. Wasn't the think, it wasn't the think tank at Rand Corporation. <laughs> he goes, he, and he said something to me that changed my, I mean, I don't, I, I'm sure, you know, hindsight fixes these things for us. I'm sure it took a while for it to sink in, but it feels like it, with looking back that it changed my life forever. And it did. And eventually is, is it was, he said, your job, he said, the bullshit's everywhere. He said, he said, your job is to go in there and find, it reminded me of Curly, the, the Jack Palance character on city slicker, go find the one thing. He didn't say the one thing, but hold his finger up. But he said, you go find the, he, he go, he, I think I've heard you use this term before you go find the gym. You know, you, you, you go, you go find the gym in there. He, he said, and it may be something somebody says to you or walking into the room, getting a cup of coffee, maybe something in the meeting. But he, he said, if you can't find one thing in that meeting, each time you go in there, that's going to be valuable to you that you're not paying attention. And it was beautiful. It's like, and it was like, and it's like, I, that has, that has stuck with me and it has, you know, and I, and I realized that that's that, making you responsible for, yeah. Your and, and, and I, and one of the things about therapy and what I've told people before, when, you know, when they complain about therapists, I mean, first of all, it's like, you know, get shop around, get, get another therapist. And I say, I tell people I've been to lots of, lots of therapy. Uh, most of which I volunteered for, I, I always point out and all of which I, I gained something, but because I, I could, I also figured out just like, it's like being a good student in school. It's like, you can get something out of a professor who's not that good. Right. You know? And I go, so you, you got, if somebody's going into a treatment program, for instance, a residential treatment program, I, you know, I get it. It's the luck of the draw who you're going to get for counselors and stuff. There are people, all kinds of people passing around through there. And some of the best people you are ever going to talk to may be the night nurse, you know, that's sitting there with you. And you don't know what it is, but, but basically is you go in there with the attitude of getting the most out of everybody you meet and you'd be that proactive. You be in charge of, of what you do. And it's like, you know, you, you can even get good stuff out of a bad therapist. That's right. Right on, man. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, one of the other thoughts that came to mind when you were sharing earlier, and I'll just take us back a little bit in, in into the earlier part of this conversation, is that I read this one um, line from, um, I think it was in Becoming a Person by Carl Rogers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that book. But I have. It's been a long, long time. It, it, it's, it's one of my favorite collections of his writings because it's, it takes all of these different talks he gave at various points and he kind of puts them together mm -hmm. and about his experience of working with people in the college setting and, you know, researching therapy. One of the first people to put a tape recorder in, in this, mm -hmm. to the psychotherapist office, because yeah. up to that point it was sacrilegious. You didn't, mm -hmm. it was like, you don't violate that space. It's mm -hmm. like the right. confession booth, right? right. You don't right. put a tape recorder in the confession booth. I mean, <laughs> you just can't have one in there. Yeah. And, you know, nobody, nobody recorded therapy because it was like, you wanted to keep this space sacred for a client. So, mm -hmm. but he wanted to understand what went on and really to, to, to deal with what happened in the therapy rather than what people thought happened. And so he wanted to hear actual recordings, which was a, just opened up mm -hmm. our understanding of the process and all kinds. I mean, he was brilliant, Carl Rogers. Mm -hmm. But he had this one line about what it meant to be a, he called the fully functioning human being. Mm -hmm. 
which I love because I always, what the hell is that, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, sure wasn't what I thought it was. I, yeah, mean, I, don't, I don't remember it. I'm on the edge of my seat right now waiting <laughs> to hear it. Yeah. One of the things that he listed on these characteristics, and this is what he discovered in working with all these different clients that he had, was that as a person evolves and gets in touch with who they really are and all that other stuff that he promoted, right? Yeah. He says the person becomes a sifter of their own experience. Wow, I don't remember this. This is good. I like Isn't that a great line? A sifter, you know, it's like that sifter with flour, right? You get all Mm -hmm. the the stuff that's that's no good, the chunks that you don't want in your cake. I I just I I had a picture of the old the old biner out in the west. Same thing. Looking for the gold, gold, you know, just all those work. But what he said is that when you get to this place, you don't let somebody else tell you what your experience is or what it means that you sift through it and you say, this fits for me, this doesn't fit for me. This Mm -hmm. works for me, this doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that you and I promote a lot because we want people to experiment is to try things on. Mm -hmm. If you've been doing something one way, try it on a different way. Mm -hmm. See what happens when you do that. It's Mm -hmm. by doing that in my recovery, when I either I did it in an experiential exercise or, you know, like following a direction of my sponsor or something Mm -hmm. like that. I was amazed at at some of the of the the awarenesses that, first of all, followed that kind of experience Mm -hmm. and what it meant to me to open up my consciousness to new possibilities. Yes, that's a good point because because you're talking about the two places. One one is you know my line always is everything is information. So if if you try this and and it totally fucks everything up, then we, then we have plenty to work with. Right. It's it. But the other piece you're talking about is okay. There's the specific experiment that we that we're talking about, but the idea of the bigger change in in the bigger picture is I am somebody who has lived their life, my life, in a very rigid, stuck way, rules that you know, I do this. Why did you, why do you do this? Well, I'll do it because I've always done it this way. It's like, what happens when we actually, when the bigger experiment is, Oh, by the way, I have this attitude, a new attitude that says, if one thing doesn't work, I just try another one. Yeah, that's right. It's like, that's so it's, um, and I, and I noticed when I, when I said that I had what I call, you know, it is literally a shrug. I try another one, which is what, what I've I've gotten to where I, I'll tell other therapists if I'm in a training I'll say look for the client who shrugs it's usually one shoulder or the other but it's a good sign what it means is it sort of has this thing of like what the hell yeah you know I'll try yeah. it yeah and right it's on. like that by itself is a massive change Just try it on for most of us try it on try it on and let you know and most of us are so fixed that we don't live our lives trying things on like that we get caught in that mm-hmm. rut you know mm-hmm. that we live in what do they say well it, it, and the thing about alcoholic you know, alcohol you show an alcoholic a rut he'll not only move into it but he'll start decorating it <laughs> well of course my last name is that was that was the, they called me literally for for at least four oh. years in college was rut that's all i was i, I don't think anybody knew my first name i was like <laughs> <laughs> now now i realize the significance of, of, of such right. a thing now, now you can take that personally go back and, <laughs> jesus christ but how dare they talk to you like that? How, dare, how dare they perceive me in, in a better way than i can but you know 
the, to back up what you, one of the things you said too is, is, is I like the part in there, like lots of things about therapy, but one of the things it's really nice when, because a lot of times we are in the bigger picture, we've kind of taught people in our culture, I think to, um, you know, I, I think kind of revere therapists too much or give too, too much credit to us. And, and the idea of, you know, I mean, first of all, I mean, how many people have you ever met that, that they think when they find out what you do, that you can actually look through them and read them their mind. It's like, you go like, yeah, I, I, you know, I had to read my mama's mind, but that's, I was, that was a matter of survival. That that's was, right. that was, is, that's for a different reason. That's for different reasons. But the idea, I love the idea when, when, when in the relationship, it begins to sink in for the client that, 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 that they have the last word. And that's, and that's, that's what we consider the right way. It's like, right. no, it's like, if you, if, if I'm saying, you know, if I'm, I, I tell people that I'll say every, every, because I'm, I, you and I have this one in common too. I guess I can get very passionate about something. I can have a theory about something. I can have an idea about something and I can just, I can pitch it like, like you're going to believe this. But I said, even if I'm doing that, everything I say, no matter how declarative the sentence is, is is a it comes with a, an implied true false question. Yeah. So that basically, if 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 you hear a buzzer in your head somewhere, feel it in your body somewhere that says, "Ah, you're missing it, Rutledge." It's like it's it's like tell me, because that's an important thing. It's like if if you're you know maybe I'm right. And you, and you're denying. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll find our way there that way. But a lot of the times I'm just going to have missed it. And it really is going to save us both time and probably save you some money. I'll say sometimes to them. Right. If you just tell me if I'm missing it. Right. On. No. And listen, you and I now know that that's what real friendship looks like. Not sitting yes. there and just, you know, going along with and, you know, endorsing yeah. every idea that we have just because you want, you want to, he's your friend. I mean, it's mm -hmm. those people that's are truth speaking, right. Mm -hmm. That are really valuable friendships. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. No, no, this is, it's important stuff that we're talking about. Another thing hit crossed my mind and I totally let it go, but you know, I was going to come back. One of the other things that I, there was two thoughts and hopefully the second one will come back to me. But one other one was this, this idea about what's encounter enhancing and what's encounter diminishing. It's, it's such a great, I think, line to start to think about these rules along. Because when, when we go into the to healthy rules, is they're all enhancing a relationship. They all open up possibility. Mm -hmm. They all encourage the person to live based on what they want and their truth and their integrity and stuff like that. All those other rules that we've been hammering on, those toxic rules, those unhealthy rules, the unenforceable rules, those are so restrictive mm -hmm. and, and constraining, right? They provide so many constraints to a relationship instead of opening it up. And right. it, in a relationship, keeps it's kind of like, what's the opposite of, of growing outward? Is it, is, is it atrophy? It starts to collapse mm -hmm. on itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's, a good it's, word. yeah. It starts to atrophy. It starts to just close in. And then people get to a place. I loved, this is what I heard Dr. David Snart say. He says, when you walk into a restaurant, you know who's married and you know who's dating. Mm -hmm. He says, the way you know it is, those people that are talking to each other are just dating. 
<laughs> they're just meeting each other. They have a lot to say to each other. Mm-hmm. He says the other, the married couples, they're sitting at the table. Their chairs are typically turned at least 20 mm-hmm. or 30 degrees away from each other. Mm-hmm. They're not saying much at all other than they ordered the food, a few mm-hmm. comments mm-hmm. here and there. And he says, now, is it true that they just don't have anything to say to each other because they've been married so long that they've said everything that needs to be said? This is not the case. Mm-hmm. The truth is they have a lot to say but they don't say it because they know where it's going to go. It's going to follow the same old pattern, the same old habit of being dismissed, not being looked at, not being taken seriously or not being explored or whatever. And it's going to end up turning out to be futile, right? It's going to be frustrating. So people don't even bother to bring up anything that they want to really talk about. And they just sit in silence. And he says, and yet their silence is deafening. Because what it's saying is, we don't know really how to talk with each other and and encourage this kind of a dialogue that you and I are promoting here as we talk about this stuff. And I think he was so right on with this idea because it's so true. It creates a gridlock, all these rules, these unhealthy rules. They just, it's like I said, it atrophies the relationship. And so it gets smaller and smaller. It just reminds me when I was at Cal State Long Beach and I was working on my uh, bachelor's degree, it was during, it was, so I was there in the seventies, right? And this Mm -hmm. is when all the men's movement first started out and Warren Farrell wrote his book and Herb Greenberg wrote his book about men. And, and there was this whole big movement of men. And I remember this, this, this group got together and they were up on stage and demonstrating all of these issues with men in relationships. And this one guy was dancing with a paper cutout of a gal. And as Mm -hmm. the dance started out, they were far from each other and talking and enjoying each other. And as the song went on, she's getting closer and closer to him and then closer and closer. And then he starts crumbling her up. It was such a powerful, powerful. beautiful performance art, man. man? It was like (laughs) all these fucking rules and I'm going to control you and put you in this little ball so I can manage you and possess you and, Oh, I, I'm over there going, fuck, I identify with all this. Absolutely. That, you know, what you just said, that what, no, what's, who, who's the guy that said, uh, what did he know when he went into the restaurant? I didn't know the name. Dr. David Snarch. Spell David the last name. S C H N A R C H. Okay. And it's fun David, to say. I'm, I'm sad to say he passed away about two months ago. Oh, I'm we, sorry. Lost, uh, we lost a, a brilliant, brilliant. He he was the person who translated all of Bowen's differentiation work into sex therapy. And really? so he wow. applied all of that, the stuff on differentiation mm-hmm. into helping people deal with sexual difficulties in their marriage. And his book, Passionate Marriage, is won him awards at the American Psychological Association. It's um, I, I don't know how many millions of copies have been sold, but it's, it's based on Bowen's stuff. Based on Bowen's theory of differentiation, and and, and David takes it in his his first name is David. He takes it in this in a particular way, but he he was a brilliant therapist, man, a brilliant and a brilliant writer. Some great. Stuff well, we, when you described what he said, it's like it just 
it reminds me of there's you know you know how there's some certain little models that just kind of emerge from our our work with people and it's like i usually draw this up on the blackboard and and you know but it's like uh i'll, I'll since we're mostly audio here uh, uh it's it's you know what I'll, I'll imagine you and i being the, the the relationship so that i have this is what i would say to a couple i have a little alan interpreter in my head and you have a tom interpreter and what I'll say to couples who've been together a long time is you got a bit of a problem here. I, I, and I, and I'm, I don't, and I always say, I, I say, I don't know the actual percentage, but I just to make the point, I call it the 85% accuracy problem, yes. which is we get to know each other so well that we're probably right. Most of the time yeah. it's like, but it's wow. that 15%. It's like, and the idea is whenever we get into one of those areas and like, this is the thing that you were saying, that David was saying keeps people from having that conversation is because I will say X, Y, Z to you, your interpreter says he means ABC and you respond as if I said ABC. And, and when I want, what I point out to people about that is like, you look at that, that's one, two moves, two moves in the communication and you're, you're already gone. You're it's off. like, you're, you're lost. You're off. Yeah, it's you're it's off. like, and, 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 and trying to get back here is repairing that. And most couples don't know how to do that because they get more polarized. Well, and that's the, the piece where, and, and um, when we talk about the, the rules, the positive rules and stuff like that, we'll talk about that too. But because that's another thing that, that I think I probably have honed in on in the last even decade of my work with couples is, is how much it's really just about helping them keep their defenses down. Because yeah. if yeah. you can, I, a lot of times when I'm working with couples, I have my hands up. I feel like a, a bit of an, a, 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 a conductor in an orchestra because I, because I, I, I'm, I'm actually holding the defenses down and say, so, you know, because the truth is if you can, because be, defense begets defense. So as soon as I say something defensive to you, you know, if, you, know, you, if you, if you're really paying attention, you can get it, you can catch it. But it's like, if you're not paying attention, you're going to come back with another defense and we're going to have two or three, you know, volleys like that. And it's going to, it's going to get, it's going to get difficult to come back. But if, but it's amazing to me, and I love showing this to couples, if you can keep your defenses down just for a couple of sentences more, you can find clarification. I didn't, how about, I mean, you need, I didn't mean it that way. That's not what I meant. It's like, Instead of, instead of, oh, well, you're dead, which is what a lot of people do. It's like, if you can actually keep your defense down, I go like, oh, okay, well, how did you mean it? Yeah. And then you listen. Yeah. Now we're back. But it's so hard. But it's, it's I mean, it really is one of those oh, simple buddies. I, I look forward to when we do the rules. That'll be a, the healthy rules. That'll be a fun. Good. All right. Well, let's wrap this show. My daughter's coming out to celebrate her 30th birthday. So I'm very excited to see her in a couple of minutes. So how do they learn more about your work, Tom? They can, they, they, they can intuit it or they could go to my oh, website. Read your mind. Now, why aren't they reading my <laughs> mind? Right? Come on. <laughs> They can they can go to my website, tomrutledge.com, books and all kinds of uh, freebies and stuff there. And I'll tell you, these days, what they can do to learn more about all, all of us in this show is go to, if they're on Instagram, to go join us on Instagram. We are, we are on Instagram, and our handle there is a little bit different than the name of our, our podcast, but it's, it's um, Start Here Radio. Start and it's radio. like start here radio and and uh and and you there i'm there patrick's there and i would love to get more people following us there that that's i love i love playing with instagram yeah so um 
let me put a shout out to the work we're going to do here next Thursday, the next couple Thursdays, step two. Mm-hmm. You I'm know, excited. The Thursday, Thursday yeah. night emotional sobriety anonymous meeting, which um, the uh, the Zoom ID for that is 330-149-513. And the password is 375-986. Um, is on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And just a couple of weeks ago, we started to go through the steps as they relate to emotional sobriety. And I'm going to be doing about a 15, 20 minute discussion of this step. And then Tom's going to come in and take 10 minutes to discuss what I've discussed and anything else he wants to say. And mm-hmm. we're going to alternate like that through the whole steps with Tom and Mary Gordon. And it's turning out to be great. And I look forward to uh, our work next Thursday, this coming Thursday. Yep. I appreciate you including me in that one. I love, I, I love Mary's work too. So it's, it's oh, I, Mary was I, fantastic. And I'm looking amazing. forward to you talking about it and we get to tackle step two, which is a mm-hmm. very important step in the whole process. Mm-hmm. So please yep. join us there and look, if you like our podcast, tell people about it. If you don't tell people about it, see, we have no rules. You don't have to tell. That's right. Just, just go you like, you won't believe how bad this is. Go listen for yourself. Go listen for yourself. I mean, yeah. Hey, in Hollywood, all presses, good press. That's right. Well, it's, it's it's like if 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 something if something smells bad, what do you do? Hey, smell this. You know. <laughs> we do do that, don't you? Does it smell bad to you? Is it just into me? Yeah. So if it smells bad, let other people smell it. Let other people smell it. <laughs> no, but tell people how much fun we're having here, and I and we also appreciate the feedback we've got that you guys really get something out of this. And that's very meaningful for Tom and I is that when we Mm -hmm. went into this um, isolating as a community to deal with this COVID is one of the things Tom and I really wanted to do was to try to carry a message and to help people get through this and and to use this time to create what I love. He said is we're having a big personal growth retreat that's <laughs> right involuntary and involuntary, involuntary personal, personal growth, growth. <laughs> and this is our contribution to that personal growth that's, that's right that. that's right and we hope that you guys found it helpful continue to find it helpful as we trudge this road of happy destiny together patrick any last words for this show for you uh yes i'll be including the um Zoom login info and the password uh, for the emotional sobriety uh, meeting uh, this coming Thursday or the next few Thursdays in the uh, episode description. So if you missed it in the episode, uh, be sure and check it out there. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you in the weeks to come. Good. Thanks. All right. Great working with you guys today. Good. Very good show. (laughs) I am feeling better. I can feel it in my body. Wow. That's great. Good. Okay, you guys, good seeing you. And Tom, I'll look forward to Thursday night. I'll I'll Uh, be there. It's a spiral, not a circle. Goes round, round, round. Before solutions, be your own friend. Never say never in either direction. Look in the mirror, trust the reflection.